The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Lord, I just ask that you um, would remove me from this teaching. Let only your truth pass through my lips. Father God, that if I say anything that's witty or not right, that you will quickly remove that from our, for our minds and from our ears. But Lord, that only your truth and your love and wisdom comes out today. Use me as your instrument, Lord, today, I pray. Father God, I just thank you for your never-ending, never-changing character and who you are, that you are forever faithful and that you forever love us. And because of that, we can stand together and defend the faith, defend you and who we believe in. Father God, speak to us. All these things I praise you for and ask you for. In Jesus' name, amen. So since we've had our grand opening in January, which feels like a long time ago, but actually was, um, well, we're going on 11 months. We'll be hitting a year, the first Sunday in January of us being in this building. Thank you, Solid Rock. But since our grand opening, we've been slowly teaching on our core values here at The Jar and what that means. And you guys know that our, one of our slogans is filled to be emptied right? Filled by God to be emptied by others. And so we've been slowly spelling out that word filled um, and what that means. So F is, am I fervently pursuing God? I was, am I invested fully in what God has to show me? And then we did the two L's. L for learning. Am I constantly learning? Am I constantly trying to learn who God is and his character? And loving, L for loving. Am I loving the person in front of me? Am I loving others the way that Jesus loves me, that agape love that he talks about? And then we talked about E for expecting, right? Because one of our other phrases that we say here is connecting real life to our extraordinary God, because that's who he is. You know, we like to use the word awesome and great a lot. And after a while, that word speak, those words become very minimal, but extraordinary is definitely a word that we don't use very often, but definitely describes who our God is. And so we are expecting him to move because that's the thing we've talked about. God is a gentleman. He's only going to move when you expect him to move. Sometimes he'll move, but when you ask him to move in beyond what you ever anticipated, he's going to show up in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. And so where are we expecting God to move in our lives? And then now we're ending with the last letter of filled, which is D, for am I discipling others? And under am I discipling others, we spell the word stand, 
as for am I submitting to God? Because in order for us to really empty out to others, to disciple to one another, right? Because here at the jar, we're not about becoming just disciples. We're becoming disciple makers, right? And so we're learning who God is so that we can share with the people around us. But the first thing we have to do is we have to submit to God. Then we got to talk about life, right? We got to be authentic. We've got to be real. The A in our jar stands for authenticity. We've got to be real with each other and we've got to be open and willing to talk to one another about our, our trials, our struggles, as well as all of the wonderful things that God has done when we've expected him to move. Then we talked about assessing each other and pastor, the other pastor, Carrie, our family pastor, talked about how we should be assessing one another, but when we do, we do it without judgment, right? If I see my brother or sister and they're struggling, how do I go and talk to them about that, right? And so assessing each other. And then last week, Pastor Michael taught about nourishing each other and how that nourishment of encouragement and mercy and grace, those are the things is how, of how we nourish one another. And that's the end. And then today we're, I get to talk about defend, defend each other's holiness. And I find it interesting that Pastor Michael is ill today and that I'm having to fill in by myself because as a social worker, <clears throat> I have been of 18 years, I have learned how to defend people. Defending and advocating for people is something that I have had to do faithfully, even at times when I didn't feel like doing it, even when there were times that I knew that I wasn't going to be liked very much for it. <laughs> Some families love me, other families don't. But I am defending that patient, I'm defending that client, and I'm making sure that they're getting what they need. And in the same way, what we're talking about today is defending our faith and defending each other in that faith of holiness, okay? And so today we're going to be talking in two passages today that show us that in the army of the Lord, because that's what we are as believers, in the army of the Lord, we are to defend the truth of the gospel, to stand firm, to build up, to pray, to seek Jesus, to stay close to him, stay focused, remain strong, help others, and rescue them from judgment. And I understand why we ended with the defend because we've talked about the first four. Now we have to defend it, right? Everything we believe in and why we believe in it. So we're going to start out first in reading 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. But before we get that, we, you know, we always have a consider question for you guys. And obviously, is am I discipling someone is one of those questions um, that we've always been asking is, am I discipling someone? But the consider question today is, what am I willing to stand up for? What am I willing to stand up for? I'm going to give you guys a few seconds to think about that question. All right, we're going to be, like I said, the first thing we're going to be in is in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. So put your finger there, put your marker there. But then we're also going to be flipping over to the right just a few pages in, into Jude, okay, in the book of Jude. But Mark, we're going to start in 1 John. Um, so 1 John chapter 5, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Okay. So first one begins, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ 
or the Messiah, has become a child of God. In other words, a beget offspring. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And that word there, we know, actually means recognize the love that we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And actually that word obey his commandments actually means the results of obeying. We don't obey so that God will love us. We obey because we love God. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's no different than some of you may have parents that you didn't have or didn't have guardians growing up, but some of us did. Or you may have had an authority figure in your life that you looked up to, whether it be a grandparent, an aunt, or whoever it was that raised you. And out of your love for that person who raised you, you're going to, you're going to obey what they ask you to do, right? And so, like I said before, God doesn't love us because we're obeying. We obey because we love him, okay? It's a result of obeying. When we become Christians, we become part of God's family. We become brothers and sisters in Christ. And God determines who the other family members are, not us. We are simply called to accept and to love them. So the question, the other question I have for you is how well do you treat God's family members? Because the moment we say yes to Jesus, we all become brothers and sisters and part of that same family. And we've talked about that over this past year at the jar multiple, multiple times. But we are brothers and sisters. And how we treat each other matters. Our second John chapter 1, verse 6. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another just as heard we heard from the beginning. And so... Like I said, we love each other because we're commanded to love one another. Verse 3, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, that word burdensome means bearing down on us. It's not bearing down on us, right? It's not a burden for us to follow God's commandments. It's something that we want to do. I always say God's commandments are kind of like his, his love commandments for us, his love rules for us. He didn't create those commandments so that he could hold his thumb on you. He created those commandments because he loves you. You're his child. Okay? Verse 4, for every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith, not our obedience. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, Jesus never promised us that obeying him would be easy, right? Because let's be honest, I don't know about you all, but growing up as a kid, there were times that my parents gave me rules and commandments that I did not want to obey. <laughs> and sometimes even in my workplace as an adult, there are things that, there are rules that I don't always necessarily want to go by, right? I'm like, I could do this better myself, right? I don't need to do what the boss tells me. But in reality, I do, right? He never promised that obeying would be easy. Sometimes it's very hard to love your brothers and sisters. And we've talked about that here before. But the hard work and self-discipline of serving him won't be a burden to those who love him. And if your load starts to feel heavy, you can always trust Christ to help you bear it. 
Matthew chapter 11, verses 30 says, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So sometimes when it feels like it's a burden to love your brothers and sisters, just know that God is saying, I can help you with that. Okay? So how do we do that? How do we do what John is saying here? So let's turn to the book of Jude. The book of Jude only has one chapter, so that's easy. Okay? Jude was the brother of Jesus and James, and he's writing to the Jewish Christians to be strong in their faith and to oppose false teachers and doctrine that would creep in. And he starts out the letter, Dear Friends. I like that he starts out, Dear Friends, because what's that, what does that tell us? That tells us he's not speaking to a stranger, right? He's speaking to somebody he knows. He's saying, in ver- starting in verse 3, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all time. So Jude wanted to start out by talking about salvation. That's what the letter was originally supposed to be. But he finds himself, as he's writing to his fellow brothers and sisters, that some of them are falling astray, that there's false teachers, there's false doctrine being taught, and he's worried about them, he's concerned. He's like, we've got to stand strong together. So in verse 3, he says, we must be defenders of the faith, standing firm in what the Bible says with the simplicity of the gospel message. In other words, we've got to be strong, right? We've got to stand up for what's right. And I don't know about you all, but right now, the world's telling us a lot of things. There's a lot of false doctrine out there right now, right? Or we take scripture and we try to twist it to make it fit with something that God is telling us is not necessarily right to do. And we twist it to make it us feel better. And there's a lot of that going on. So it's interesting that even back then in the first century church, it was already starting to happen, right? And so Judah's saying, listen, I need you to be strong. And in verse 20, he says, we must build each other up in our most holy faith. This is what the fellowship of believers is all about. In other words, okay, I know that there are some of you who are not following the doctrine the way that they sh- that you should and that you may be confused or you're twisting things in order to make them make yourself feel better but what i'm telling you is even for those of you who are doing that you still need to build each other up as believers right remind each other of the truth and build each other up and what's it say in our most holy faith michael talked last week about godliness and godliness basically means the same thing as holiness which is living the right way. It's being righteous before God, right? And so he's saying, build each other up in the most holy faith, not building each other up in what your brother or sister may be doing wrong over here, but building each other up in what's holy and right and what God has taught. Verse 20 goes on to say that we must pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We must not only pray, but pray in the power of the Spirit, lifting up one another. In other words, Jude recognizes, okay, listen, this building up that we're talking about and this defending of the faith, it can be hard. It can be tough. You know, if if I come to my sister Sherry and she's has twisted something 
that I know is not what God says in his word or what God has taught us, what Jesus has taught us. And I see that. I've got to be able to come to her in love and in still building her up and saying, let's talk about this, right? And that goes back to the stand we talked about, about assessing each other, right? And not in judgment, but coming to each other and saying, hey, I think there's some things we need to go over together, right? We need to talk about it. And sometimes that's really hard and you have to pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you and to give you the strength to be able to do that. But here's the thing. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 tells us, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's one of my favorite passages. Right When, the, when we don't know what to say, if I come to my sister Sherry and I have something really hard to talk to her about, and I don't know the right words to say, I'm going to pray before, I'm going to pray during, and I'm going to pray after. Because I know the Holy Spirit's going to give me the right words to say. I also love this as one of my favorites because sometimes, in our, in, I love how he says in our weakness, right? We're not, we're not very strong <laughs> sometimes, but he makes us strong. And I love that God knows that and he knows our hearts. And then the passage goes on to say, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit le- pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And I love that. I love that the Father knows our hearts. And when the Spirit speaks for us, he knows what we're trying to say even when we mess it up. And I thank him for that. But Jesus also tells us in John chapter 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. Then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So beginning in verse, verse 21, we are to do this, to do these things, but how? By awaiting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep ourselves safe in God's love. We must stay focused on Jesus and keep close to him. To be safe in God's love is to be tucked under the wings of his protection. We must be that close. That same Holy Spirit reminds us of who Jesus is. In John chapter 14, verses 26, he says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you, right? So he's saying, first of all, ask for help. Second of all, remain in me. Remember what I've told you. Remember what I've said. Don't go with all these false teachers. Remember what I told you. To stay within the boundaries of God loves means to live close to him and his people, not listening to false teachers who would pull us away from him. And then he says again, In John 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Here at the jar, the J stands for joy. Yes? (laughs) And we've talked about that. Amen. Joy is not just happiness. Joy is not just an emotion. Joy is knowing who we are in Christ. 
And so I love that that joy comes out of abide in my commandments, which goes back to what John told us, right? Which is we don't follow his commandments because he's got his thumb on us. We follow his commandments because we love him. And when we do that and we abide in his love and we remember who he is and we don't listen to false teachers and we stay close to him, then out of that, I'm going to give you joy, a joy that is overflowing, a joy that's going to fill your jars full to the brim, and everyone's going to know it. Go on into verse 22. It says, we are to show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. And verse 23 says, to rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Effective witnessing saves people from God's judgment. Unbelievers, no matter how successful they seem to be by worldly standards, are lost and in need of salvation. We should not take witnessing lightly. It's a matter of life and death. It really, really is. The adage of hate the sinner, but you know, or hate the sin, love the sinner, in my opinion, that really is true. I, I have people in my life who do things that I don't necessarily agree with. They may live their life in a certain way or they're doing things that I see from a distance and think, man, that's a train wreck right now <laughs> in slow motion, right? But that doesn't mean that I love that person any less. Actually, because I love them, it hurts me more <laughs> to see them heading in that direction. And my heart aches for them right? But I'm still going to love that person, even if I don't agree with what they're doing or how they're doing it or what's going on, right? Um, and once again, when I come to my sister and I have that conversation, I've prayed, I see that she's not following or he or she's not following the doctrine or lining up with scripture or lining what Jesus has told us. I'm going to pray first for the Holy Spirit, you know, Spirit, give me the right words to say, right? But then I'm also going to do truth and love. Here at the jar, we're always going to go truth and love. If you go earlier up in Jude, he talks about how there are the false teachers, some of the things they're teaching is that grace is enough. That as long as you have grace, you can do whatever you want. And he, he guards against that. He said, be guarded against that. Yes, grace. my grace is sufficient for you. But that doesn't mean you can do whatever you want, whenever you want to, right? So just like with my children, my four children, I give them grace. They also have commandments and rules. And if they don't follow those, I'm going to call them out on it, right? In truth and in grace and in love. It's a package deal. It's not one or the other. It's everything together. Does that make sense? Okay. In trying to find common ground with those to whom we witness, we must be careful not to fall into the quicksand of compromise. When reaching out to others, we must be sure of our own footing is safe and secure. Be careful not to become so much like non-Christians that no one can tell you, tell who you are or what you believe. Influence them for Christ. Don't allow them to influence you to sin. 
I know that when we were doing God's recovery, that and I know when Michael was Pastor Michael was leading um, his group addiction group back in Indiana, called a different journey. Part of those of us who deal with addiction or deal with anything in our lives, sin wise, we all have sins that we struggle with, right? But sometimes what happens is we're struggling with that sin and then we get around other people that are struggling with the same sin and instead of lifting each other up, we bring each other down. Sometimes we mean well and we're wanting to support each other, but sometimes we cause each other to stumble and fall because it's easy, it's human nature, right? For me to go, oh, Sally totally gets me. She gets where I'm coming from. And I, I, I can trust in her. And I know if I fall, it's okay because she's fallen too, right? And it's so easy to, to try to go into that comfort zone with the person who has the same sin struggle as you. <laughs> it's so easy to do. Um, but what he's saying is be careful. Be careful. It's not that you shouldn't hang around with non-Christians, right? Because how else are you going to witness to those people? And how else are you going to show them that God loves them? But be careful, be mindful, guard yourself. Don't get into a situation where they're influencing you, not the other way around. Okay? Just a reminder. We are to be a light unto the world. We are to live a life pleasing unto God. We must point others to Christ but by showing them the difference in our lives. And two, we must rescue them. This word rescue, if you look where it says rescue the others by snatching them from the flames. That word rescue makes me think of when bad things happen and lives are lost. Search and rescue becomes recovery. Once they're in the grave, we can't help them. We must be diligent in search and rescue. Our witness is not to be totally silent. We must also at times speak, sharing our faith with others, which means we may to need to interact with those who witness to, but not at the expense of doing something that could cause us to be lured into something wrong. Okay? So that means be ready to defend one another. Be ready to defend one another. Stand firm, defend, build up, pray, seek him, stay close, stay focused, remain strong, help others and rescue them from judgment. We are men and women, but more importantly, we are men and women of God in the army of the Lord, and these are our mar marching orders. I want to show you guys a picture of the Great Wall. Most of you know this. You grew up with it. You learned about it as a kid, but the Great Wall is the world's largest human-made structure, stretching over approximately 4,000 miles along an arc that roughly outlines the southern edge of Inner Mongolia, but stretches over to 4,160 miles in total. It is also the largest human-made structure ever built in terms of surface area and mass. And it can be seen, did you guys know this? It can be seen from the moon. I don't know if you knew that or not, but you can see it from the moon. At its peak, the Ming Wall was guarded by more than one million men. I can't even imagine one million men on the edge of it. 
that just blows my mind. It has been estimated that somewhere in the range of two to three million Chinese died as part of the centuries-long project of building the wall. That's a lot of people. A lot of people died to put this wall up. It was built for the protection of a nation, to protect them from harm, to guard from attack, to repulse enemies, and for centuries, rugged defenders have built walls and waged wars, expanding materials and human resources in battle to save nations and cities, and with a total commitment for their families. It is a rule of life that we fight for survival, defending with all of our strength what is most precious to us from every real or imagined attack. God's word and the gift of eternal life has infinite value. They have been entrusted to Christ, Christ's faithful followers, you and me. There are many people who live in opposition to God and his followers. They twist God's truth, seeking to deceive and destroy the unwary, but God's truth stands carried and defended by those who have committed their lives to God's son, Jesus. That's you and me. That's, just, that's not the pastor, you know. That's not, it's not the people that are just famous. That's you and me. We've been entrusted with that. It is an important task. It's an awesome responsibility and a profound privilege to have this commission. And having said that, we see how Jude concludes with this glorious benediction of praise to God at the end of the book if you look beginning in verse 24 now all the glory to God who is able to keep you from failing away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault all glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord all glory majesty power and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time amen Assurance, God's power enables believers to keep him falling prey to false teachers if we trust God and are rooted and grounded in him. To be sinless and perfect, which literally means without blemish, would be the ultimate condition of the believer when he or she finally sees Christ face to face. In other words, we're not perfect right now, but we're going to be. We're going to be. And coming into Christ's presence will be more wonderful than we could ever imagine. This passage, written a long time ago to Christians who were being tempted towards immoral and wrong living, Jude encouraged them to remain firm in their faith and trust in God's promises for their future. He's talking to you too. He's telling you don't give up. No matter what's happening in the world, no matter how crazy it gets, which there's a lot of crazy things going on, right? No matter what, we are to put our faith and trust in him. He promises our future. We too are living in the last days, much closer to the end than we were the original readers of this letter. We too are susceptible to doctrinal error. We too are tempted to give in to it because, boy, it's so much easier. It's not as hard sometimes. And although there is much false teaching around us, we need not fear or give in to despair. God can keep us from falling, and if we remain faithful, he guarantees that he will bring us into his presence and give us everlasting joy.
Defend the faith. Defend each other. Build each other up in a holy faith, not a false one. Pray for power of the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself safe in God's love. Obey his commandments. Show compassion, even when it's hard. Rescue others and show mercy. When I think about rescuing others too, God just gave this to me, I think of a firefighter. I've got friends whose spouses are firefighters. I also have friends whose spouses are police officers. And when there's gunfire, instead of running away from the gunfire like the rest of us would, they run straight into it. When we see a fire, we run away from the building. But the firefighter puts on his suit, his armor that he puts on, just like we put on the armor of God, and he charges into that fire full force. Why? Because he knows he has a hose full of water, which is the Holy Spirit, and he sprays the fire down until it's non-existent. He kills the fire. He stomps on it. He kills it. And then he goes back and he cleans up the mess. That's the part on TV they don't show. <laughs> That's the part they don't like. They got to go in with their axes and everything and they have to go in and they have to clean all the embers because a small wind, just a puff of wind, can come in and relight one of those embers and the fire starts back up again. Same way with false doctrine. With not a holy faith with not a holy gospel. Just a simple thing can relight that fire, right? And then we have to go back in and God has to rescue us again. But sometimes we don't need, we, need, we don't know we need rescuing. And that's why it's important that we defend each other, that we rescue each other, that we're each other's firefighters and police officers. We protect each other. That's what the brothers and sisters of the faith do you know we're very blessed and we're very spoiled in so many ways um, we have no idea how many of the early christians died of persecution in the early church the estimate is millions upon billions they were marked and they were drug into arenas they were tortured they were killed we have no idea what that's like to have to defend our faith and to defend each other. But I want to encourage you. I'm glad we don't have to do that. Praise the Lord. We live in a country where we can worship the way we want to worship. But I just want to remind you that that's what we're supposed to do. That's the heart. That's the, the, the heart that God is giving us. He wants us to be those firefighters and those police officers for each other. And keep on going. For if we do these things, just like it says when we started to go back to 1 John. Every child defeats the evil world and we achieve victory through our faith. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you're a believer in Christ looking for an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple maker, Come see us at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. 
Our regular gatherings start on Sundays at 4 p.m., so you can still make it to see us today. Hope to see you soon. I am filled to be empty.